Blog Talk Radio. This is Saida Garrett, and I'm tuned in to Intro to Info with my girl, Makisha. You are listening to Intro to Info with your host, Makisha from D.C. That's me, open-minded, business-minded, spiritual, a little hood, and very nerdy and down-to-earth. And Queen of Hearts from Florida. She's so ladylike, family-oriented, quick-witted, and a real pillar in her community. On our platform, we discuss anything imaginable, but we talk a lot of pop culture, current events, and speak on our personal life experiences. We interview fantastic guests with unique stories, and Lord knows we just have organic fun. And check this out. If you want to join in on the fun, call in at 515-605-9376. We are live on Saturdays from 9 to 10 p.m. EST on the J. King Network. If you are an info for info, tune in to Intro to Info. Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. This is Saida Garrett, and I'm tuned in to Intro to Info with my girl, Makisha. You are listening to Intro to Info with your host, Makisha from D.C. That's me, open-minded, business-minded, spiritual, a little hood, and very nerdy and down-to-earth. And Queen of Hearts from Florida, she's so ladylike, family-oriented, quick-witted, and a real pillar in her community. On our platform, we discuss anything imaginable, but we talk a lot of pop culture, current events, and speak on our personal life experiences. We interview fantastic guests with unique stories, and Lord knows we just have organic fun. And check this out. If you want to join in on the fun, call in at 515-605-9376. We are live on Saturdays from 9 to 10 p.m. EST on the J. King Network. If you are an info for info, tune in to Intro to Info. As I said on that intro, this is Intro to Info, hosted by yours truly, Makisha out of Washington, D.C. I was just thinking the other day, um, I created that. I created all my intros, and just I, just I love to do that, and you don't realize that it's something that you have to have an ear for. Like You have to, be, you have to know what the placements are and what timing, and that's really actually a skill. Some people are um, a natural at it. I think, like, producers have that. Because I'm like, hmm, maybe I can monetize on that one day. But <laughs> um, 
Broadcasting live from Washington, D.C. It's your host, Makisha. Today is Saturday, September 12th, 2020. Thank you so much for joining me. Those who are joining me live, uh, I see you in the call queue. And if you're listening via the link, thank you. And also to those who listen via the archive podcast, because these episodes do become archives once we finish going live. A shout-out to Mr. Lynn Tolliver, who uh, heads up the network. And thank you to Mr. J. King for allowing myself and others. Queen of Hearts will be on momentarily, um, and we are both very thrilled to bring on founders of the Take Heart uh, Initiative. Uh, the names are Delta Ryan and Michelle will bring them on. Um, and I thank Queen for just being so diverse and in, in innovative with regard to the guests that we bring on. Like I was just telling the the, the ladies, we started off interviewing only musicians, and I just said, ah, there's more people in the world than that. Let's start to expand. And so very, very happy for that. So um, let's bring them on. Take you guys off mute. Thank you for being early, and thank you for being on Intro to Info, ladies. Good evening. Good evening. Hi. How are you all doing tonight? You nervous? You excited? What's the feeling from both of you right now? You know, it's funny because we have been on so many adventures together, but this is a new one. We are sitting in a in a co-working space at 9 o'clock at night and super excited to talk with you. Oh, uh, the feeling is so mutual. And, uh, again, thank you for your time. Here's another, I was telling you guys about the host, another host on the show. Uh, uh, Tamika has just joined us. Tamika, say hi to the uh, founders of Take Heart. Oh, hello. Good evening. Hi. Hi. <laughs> what are your What are your names? Delta and Michelle. Delta and Michelle. I like Delta. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah when she uh, first told me, she's a powerhouse. You... Right. <laughs> right. Delta. <laughs> I'm sorry. My favorite designing woman was Delta Burke, so oh. I'm just a little biased. Yeah, but, um, it has been a fun name. Oh. I have enjoyed enjoyed the name. <laughs> Welcome. Bring a little spice to intro to info. Yep. All right. <laughs> so, um, Tam, and to the listeners, we're here to talk about the Take Heart Initiative where um, – in a nutshell, you guys assist Kenyan women, but I really want you to break down exactly what it is you do, um, what you offer to Kenyan women, and then how the initiative begun. Okay, well, this is Delta talking and um, kind of give you a real quick kind of summary from the beginning. So I worked in um, as a physician assistant in the emergency room in our community for 22 years. I took a trip to Kenya in October of 2012, and I lived in an orphanage of teenagers. And for some reason, I thought orphans were little children, but um, I got to get really close to these girls who were mostly teenagers. And um, as I learned their stories and over the next year or so, just the plight of aged-out orphans and also um, also um, teenagers of widows. These girls are very, very susceptible. 70% around the world of of aged out orphans are trafficked, child marriage, suicide, 
all kinds of things as I learned their plight um, over the next um, over the next year. Just could never shake it. And then also on that very first trip in October of 2012, there was a lady, a widow in her 30s, that took her life and um, hung herself. And I could never shake that story as I walked up and looked in the eyes of her children. And so I came back and just knew that I needed to start doing something and um, worked for a couple more years full-time and then resigned in 2014 and started on this amazing journey. Wow. So um, the um, what, what I learned very quickly, um, kind of take heart over the next, like I said, year. It took, took me a while to learn and research and study and get to know. I didn't make it back to Kenya for a whole other year to September of 2013, um, but we, I came home and knew I had to help somebody because I knew this was what I just knew. You know, sometimes when you collide with your destiny, you know that you've collided with it. And so we immediately, when I returned home after the first trip, started helping one woman. And her story is the story of Caroline and, and Puse, and it's just an incredible story. And we were able to then drastically change the course of her life um, and after I experienced that with Caroline, then I knew that we were going to be able to come alongside other women in Kenya to offer them hope so that they would not have to choose the, the avenue of suicide or selling off their child or allowing them to get married, you know, earlier than they should and um, just severe poverty. So it doesn't take a whole lot. Now, it's been a big learning curve since 2012. Mm-hmm. Um Michelle joined me on this journey in 2014. So she, we've been neighbors. I grew up with her husband, and Michelle was an educator mm-hmm. for 25 years. Yes, yeah, so I taught school, um, and I was an assistant principal, and I had taken a year's leave. And so in 2014, I took a trip with Delta to Kenya, and I actually went on two trips that year. And it totally changed my life. So I came back and I quit my job. And so Delta and I both um, worked together um, with Take Heart, knowing that we are making a difference in the lives of widows and orphans in this village in Kenya. Wow. That's really um, beautiful and noble of you. It's almost like missionary work because my next question to to you all is, did you, before before going to Kenya, did you ever know that you would ever be doing something like this? Well, it's very interesting, um, and my whole life story is, is, you know, everything is always working and building. Um, I was adopted when I was two days old by two of the most amazing human beings ever. And my mom, um, when she was um, in the 1950s, actually, was a single woman, already had a nursing degree and two other degrees, got on a ship by herself all the way across the Atlantic, and then on an airplane deep in the jungle of Liberia, West Africa, and worked along with another woman and ran a leprosy colony for three years. And so this amazing risk-taker woman is the person who raised me and um, did all kinds of things that women didn't do. Even if I took off and did that today in 2020, people would think I was crazy. But you can imagine in 1958, 
people thought. And so um, she raised me, and I actually had a really bad attitude about missions, helping the world. I was a great kid, straight-A student, graduate of the University of Florida. Um, and it wasn't until her death in um, 1999. Um, we had an amazing relationship at the time of her death at 73 after pancreatic cancer. She um, had been in over 30 countries. Um, and did a lot of short-term medical mission work. And that began my journey. It took me a while to find it. Um, and, yeah, everybody was trying to help me to find this, this, this calling that I, that I had not long after her death, but it took me about 12 or 14 years to find it. And when I went on that trip to Kenya, it really was like uh, I, on my way home um, in the airport, because um, I actually was invited to go to Kenya. I found my birth family. My sister invited me to go with her church, and I got on an airplane with seven strangers because I had just met my sister a few months before. And so mm-hmm. I had been looking for this, absolutely had no intention of ever doing anything like this. And But my personality, I'm all in or all out. And so I am all in 100%. So I hope that kind of answers your question. And then Michelle. Yes. Yeah. So I was an educator for 25 years, and if you would have asked me several years ago what I would be doing, I would be telling you that I would be the assistant principal at the school where I was at until I had my 30 or 35 years in. So, no, I would have never pictured myself doing, like, missionary work in this village in Kenya, but we both feel like we have a calling on our lives. And this is what we're supposed to do. I'm inspired. And I, you know, <laughs> just feel like we all have different assignments on everybody's, in addition to the individual assignments, is to serve in some way. And it's just, I just think that it's, it becomes, I think if everybody's paying attention, they'll figure out what their assignment is, their individual assignment. But you have to, I always say keep one foot in the material world and one foot in the spiritual world, and you'll be guided so much, like, more smoothly throughout this journey. Um, That's amazing. And so how often do you guys have to visit Kenya in order to keep this initiative moving forward? Well, we started, you know, it's interesting because we both came from backgrounds, um, you know, not of business, not of nonprofits. And so we really um, just, basically had a dream and a passion to go. I've actually been 15 times now, and um, Michelle's been five, Mm -hmm. yeah, five times. And so obviously with COVID and everything, I haven't been back since February, but um, love to go two or three times a year. And we have some people on the ground, some Kenyans that that do a lot of work for us, but we when I got really close to these um, aged-out orphans and these teenagers and learned that if we didn't um, come in, uh, and start um, partnering with them and giving them an option after they aged out of the orphanage or the teenagers of widows. So we basically started with one, and mm-hmm. um, one, of the, one of the first girls that we started with was actually the daughter of the widow that hung herself. She was one of the very first girls. Oh that I looked for, named Elizabeth, and we actually put Elizabeth back in school. She had missed so much school because what happens is these kids are sent home because of school fees. Even this really remote village, you have to pay a very small amount. And so it's very common 
for these kids to be behind for two, three, four years because they haven't been able to even go to school. Um, and so we put Elizabeth back in school, in high school, and after the first year, she had failed everything. And it wasn't her fault, but she didn't have any foundation. But we learned mm-hmm. that she had completed class eight, which is eighth grade, and that you don't yeah. have to get your high school diploma. Um, and we were able to put her in hairdressing and beauty therapy school, and she has just graduated, and she is just so happy, and it's just been a real joy to watch her. And now we were just about ready to either start raising funds to build, like, a salon for her or working on finding a job, and then COVID happened. So I know after that I've been keeping her busy in, in a local salon there, but... That's just a really exciting story. So, so, so we started with one, and now we have almost seventy students between primary and primary students. We have probably around thirty high school students, and then we have around twenty-eight to thirty um, university trade school students. Even a beautiful girl named Jacqueline that is in law school. So, it's each, each of them have a story, and we actually started helping. Some boys. I wasn't going to help boys mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> because they have an XY chromosome and they have a lot of rights there. But then the Lord changed my heart and changed my mind that I thought, what better way for me to help women than to influence boys and men on how women need to be treated? And um, it actually has been a really fun journey for me. I don't have sons of my own. I have two, two daughters here. And I always wanted sons, so it's been it's been actually a lot of fun um, bringing them in to take heart the last two or three years. So, but um, that's kind of where we kind of where we are. We go each each um, each trip just kind of happens and it gets planned, and um, we we put you know together uh, the, the team, and then when we go over, we you know just do different things like that. But thank goodness for WhatsApp and. And and social media and ways to communicate with people to keep it going. Absolutely, yeah. I first heard about WhatsApp when a friend was traveling internationally. She said, "Hey, d- download WhatsApp." I'm like, "What? What's up? What's up with you?" She said, "No, WhatsApp." And I, <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, okay. I'll download it." Oh, um, I know. You guys, if you, my whole life is WhatsApp. <laughs> If you're just now tuning in, you're tuning into Intro to Info. We're talking to uh, Delta Ryan, the founder of Take Heart Initiative, along with her co uh, her partner Michelle. And if you have a question or a comment, dial us at five one five six zero five nine three seven six. The number again is five one five six zero five nine three. Seven six. Tam, I'm gonna give you a chance to ask um, questions. But I, I was reading on the website something to do with water. You guys, is is the water a problem in Kenya? Um, yeah, there's definitely not a lot of clean water. Um, it's it's um, a challenge. So it's not something that we get um, involved in a lot. I and mean, one of the things you have to focus on when you have a nonprofit is knowing what your focus is. Sometimes when I take off, Michelle will be like, you know what your focus is. Now don't, you can't say yes to 800 children. And, and so we have so many different projects. But, yes, water is, is always something um, that you're trying to, trying to work on. But we, um, you know, that's 
Yes, a rain barrel. Okay, yes, that might be what you. So one of the main things that we that we can do um, is we can build um, when we find a woman that um, that we come alongside. Um, we will build like an, another um, home. It's still a mud house because you want them to be able to fit in and stay in their community even after you know when we're only there for short periods of time. But we do build a rain put a rain barrel there and then um, the gutter kind of feeds into the rain barrel and that provides the source of water because there really is there it really is a lot of problems with clean water in this particular area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You mentioned uh, your mother. She has quite a story as well. You said she vis- visited uh, 30 countries. Now, uh, Delta and Michelle, I don't know how many countries you all have visited in addition to uh, Kenya, but um, has your mother told you some of the differences in America versus other countries? Because they always call us this first world country. And I just, I've never been international, but it's always interesting hearing about places like Kenya. If you all have any experiences in other countries, just can you brief us on some of the advantages, advantages that Americans may have that we need to just not take advantage of? Oh, boy, that would take me a long time. So I think this is what I tell people when I speak. Um, we live, you know, really close to Disney. And um, I always say there's an Epcot, and they have all the countries. I don't know if you've ever been there. You walk around the countries, and they have kind of replicas of different things. And I always say if you could get married, you could go on your honeymoon, and you could go to Italy and and eat the food and take the gondola ride and see the countryside and all that stuff. Or you could go to Epcot and visit Italy. It isn't right. the same. And it's the same mm-hmm. thing what I say with poverty. I can talk to you about it all day long. Um, I can have you watch movies on it. Um, but until you take the trip and see it mm-hmm. firsthand, I mean, when I when Michelle went the first time, she cried the whole time. She just cried and cried and cried and cried and cried and cried. And and, and so it, you are very moved. And I agreed with your statement earlier. We all can't do the same thing. It's all of us finding something that's bigger than ourselves that we're passionate about to get behind to make the world a better place, whether it be locally, whether it be internationally. It's um, the type of poverty is just totally different. It's um, the, that to, to not even be, I just was talking to one of our boys today, you know, he had never ever seen an, an, an escalator before or an, or, or, or an um, elevator they had taken a trip to the city, and I just you just take all that for granted that you know that someone mm-hmm. would would never have you know seen something like that before. But the the poverty, um, like I said, even with these kids, and another one of one of my favorite quotes is the little boy, actually the son of the the widow on the original trip, Barack. We were able to put him in school um, for really early, way before his sister, um, in, in very formative years, and he actually did amazing incredibly bright and is at the top university in Kenya right now studying chemistry and and mathematics. Um, And he had said to me one time, he's really funny and laughs, contagious laugh, and he just got so serious because they they call you mama out of a sign of respect because you kind of have taken a role as a mom. And he says, mama, I was just a little boy with no shoes, and now I'm in Nairobi. 
at the university, mm-hmm. and he he has begun to share with me about his mom because I was really moved. I myself have suffered significantly with depression, and I was so moved that this woman and the despair that she was in because, you know, to take your life and hang yourself, it's a very dramatic way after all these years in the emergency room, you don't really see many women hanging themselves. And so it just was a horrible way, you know, to, to, to die. And he now, as we've developed this relationship and Elizabeth um, has shared me the story, but he just said he remembered so many times they didn't have any food because once their dad died, they just didn't have any, the mom didn't have any rights and, they just would go hungry for days, and he said his mom would sometimes even try to boil the water, but there would be nothing to put in it. And so to go days and days and days without food, none of us have ever, or I, I can't speak for you, my friend, but I know Michelle and I have never known anything like that. And so it is just the basic needs. Um, my mom did travel the world pretty much in a lot of third world and one thing, I mean, there there is definitely similarities, um, you know, to that. But in but in America, we are incredibly incredibly blessed to have um, have what we you know that what we have access to. Even in Kenya alone, I think it's sixty seventy percent unemployment. So there's just lots of different things. But one thing I've found is that when these kids and women are given an opportunity that the, the the majority of them take it and 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 go with it. So it's quite a joy, you know, part of the joy of our life to to see that. Yes, and I cried so much on that first trip because I had never seen anything like that. And I will tell you that I am so blessed, and I will never take for granted turning on a faucet to get water. <laughs> having a toilet that flushes, having a hot shower, I am so blessed, having a bed and a pillow to put my head on at night and sleep um, without mm-hmm. rain getting on me. Um, there were just so many um, times that I was so um, just incredibly sorrowful you know, for what I was seeing, I had just never seen anything like that. And we had visited one of the schools, and one of the um, teachers had asked me, you know, hey, do you think you could help us? Could you get us some supplies? And so um, Delta and I had our driver, David, um, take us to the store, and I think I spent like $60 and bought two or three buggies full of school supplies and took it to the school, Mm -hmm. and that's the best money I think I've ever spent. (laughs) And they were so thankful and so appreciative. Just any little thing that we do, they are so thankful, and they're so happy. They have nothing that they are so Mm -hmm. happy. So, like I said, it literally changed our lives, and um, I can't wait to get back to Kenya and finish our work (laughs) over there. Man. Well, I just want to thank you, you all, for what you're doing. Very philanthropic. I, I, I dote on stuff like this, so if you just hear me complimenting you the whole time, then just take them, okay, because you deserve it. <laughs> okay. um, and it's so funny how my life works because, like, I'm very spiritual, and I say, God, I feel like I'm getting a little too full of myself because it's, 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 it's a good time for me. It is a good time for me. It really is. And, it's, you know, I had a conversation today where um, 
this lady, she lost both her parents. She's like, cherish them. Humbling moment. This conversation with you, whereas we're Americans and we, like you said, we have our basic needs. And, and Kenyans, you guys are working with them. Humbling moment. That's just him reminding me that of certain things. And so, Queen of Hearts mm-hmm. is here. Come on in here, darling. <laughs> this is a great interview. Hi, Thank you, Queen. How you doing? Hi, ladies. How y'all doing? Hi. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> Hi, I'm doing fine. I'm so excited, y'all. Queen, you better be so good yourself. Look, I didn't know how to act when I went into the store. I don't know if you guys covered that or not, but oh man, I fell in love with the store downtown Lakeland. Yay. Mm, but I heard you talking about Kenya and everything. Say it again? Yes. So we need to segue right into the store. <laughs> so I'm going to yes. let Delta just talk about how this idea that she came up with with the store, and then I'll talk about the store. So um, we, we, like I said, we started with one student, and we started helping one widow, and then it just kind of kept growing. And then Michelle and I were um, actually right after my first trip when I came home, I was in a thrift store with my daughter on um, the day of the Christmas parade, and um, I just really felt an impression that we were going to start a store. I always laugh in the emergency room. You can't say that God spoke to you because then we take you to a really special room. So it's kind of a joke in the ER world. But I really felt like God had really spoken to me to start a store, but I didn't know what it was going to be. And so I thought maybe it was going to be a thrift store, but um, Michelle and I were actually on our trip. I think the second trip that she took in 2014, we were on safari in a gift shop. And Michelle is a shopper. Michelle is my was my neighbor, and she was one of the few people happy when you could shop on Thanksgiving Day. I mean, she dragged me in everywhere, but she's a born shopper. She loves um, that aspect and actually has a real gift it and so we picked up these pair earrings and it said made by local artisans with fair trade principles and that was the first time either of us had heard the words fair trade and that began a journey um, that started there we started going to our first conference in Indianapolis Indiana and discovered the fair trade is a huge organization with incredible people and we knew pretty pretty soon that this was going to be where uh, what kind of, uh, of, of, of something we were going to partner with to help with our fundraising. So we set up every Friday, every Saturday at our market downtown. They closed down the street on Kentucky Avenue. And then actually, Queen actually got to come into our store. I wasn't actually there that day, but Michelle was mm-hmm. there. And um, so we started um, with a tent um, set up, and now we have a storefront. It's a little space, but it's absolutely perfect for us, and we carry stuff from all over the world, not not just Kenya. Um, as we begin to go to New York now and the Atlanta market, so many amazing fair trade wholesalers that deal directly with the artisans. So, um, But that's kind of how the store got, and we've just been really, really, really blessed and love doing that so michelle yeah. is the buyer and the store manager and all those things so yes yeah, so i'm not sure how many listeners actually know what fair trade products is but it's something that's been handmade by an artisan 
in a safe environment using environmentally safe materials and you agree upon a fair wage. So let's say if they're making a pair of earrings, then you agree upon what to pay them. The artisan is paid up front, and then, of course, we buy it from them, and then we can market to retail price, and that's how we make our profit. If we put anything on sale in the store, it doesn't affect the artisan because they've already been paid. So when you make a purchase at our store in Lakeland or we have an online store, www.takeheart.shop, when you buy something from us, you're not only helping us, but we've helped the artisan as well. So it's going for a good cause. And so I am the store manager and buyer, and I absolutely love it. Um, I work uh, directly with an artisan named Anthony who lives in Nairobi who makes some incredible bracelets from electrical wiring. And we have been able to help him and his family, and he helps some boys from the slums, brings them over, and helps teach them how to make the jewelry when we make an order from him. And so I work with over five um, companies that work with artisan groups. We have local artisans items in our store, and then we have some companies that have a give back purpose. So I'm very passionate about shopping and having happy customers (laughs) and making them feel good about their purchases and then helping to raise additional funds for our nonprofit. What drew my attention to the store, I like vibrant colors, you know, different che- textures, stuff that stand out and different. And I looked in and I'm like, hmm. And she said, oh, you can bring your items into the store and purchase in the store. And I'm like, but uh, I can purchase them right here. They're like, no, come on in the store. And I walked in the store, and I'm like, wow. And she was showing me, like, little um, elephants that was made out of recycled material, and she was explaining that to me, and the jewelry, and, like, all the stuff that she was explaining about the fair trading. And I said, hold up. I have to do a short video. (laughs) Let me do a short video real quick, Michelle, so I can let, you know, people that tune in to Intro to Info, and, you know, we still do stuff with WBLK Radio and Team News Radio and whoever else I can get this word out to, let me do the video. I said, do you mind? She said, sure. I said, can I take pictures in the store? Come on. <laughs> you know? And I'm like a little kid in a candy store. I'm like, what is this? What is this? <laughs> you know, and she took her time to explain everything to me and tell me all the different materials that it was made out of and how they take certain portions and help back in Africa and, you know, other places. I'm like, wow, you know, right here in our backyard. I didn't even know we had a treasure like this here. Can I please bring Mm. you on the show? Well, thank you. Yes. Yay. Sam, do you have a question too? What was that? I was asking Tam, do you have any questions for our special guest? Um, I don't know that I have a question right now. I think this has been really great. Um, I just want to say that, you know, giving back, just giving of yourself, you know, in general will reciprocate blessings to you. To you. So um, mm. just keep doing what you're doing and um, 
you know, it is. It just it, it's rewarding. It gives you a good feeling inside, and also to know that you're helping someone else. You know, it, it always comes back to you in different mm, ways. It yeah. may not be, you know, it be maybe with your health or with. Um, it could be monetary, but it's so, most of the time it's just different ways that you'll see it come back. So I do applaud yeah. you both for all your work. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And it takes I, a village and for I'm, sure. I always say it takes a village to, to run, take heart. So. <laughs> and, and Michelle and Delta, first of all, you guys have great chemistry together, just how you um, bounce off of each other and just, just listening to you all, the chemistry is there. Um, and I also wanted to say, one of you mentioned depression and how you've suffered depression a lot of, for a large part of your life. And someone who suffered from depression said that the way that she cures her depression whenever it creeps on her is by helping somebody. And it, it's, uh, mm. it, it heals her for that time. And then when depression, she does it again and repeat and repeat and recycle. So, is that therapeutic for you? Is that a cure for your depression in some cases or all? Well, I think, like I said on the first trip when the lady did hang herself, I think I was. I think the story moved me because it moves anybody. Um, but it also moved me because of the struggle that I have and the fact that I have a counselor and I have medication and I have a husband who supports me and I have amazing friends and so I was moved. Um, you know, by the lack of what she didn't have to help her because, you know, she definitely was depressed because there were there are many other widows in the same situation that she was in that did not take their life. So I think, um, I think I'm definitely um, blessed to have everything that I need to, um, to, to defeat and conquer that, you know, the depression. And, and so obviously you're calling – and when you give back, I mean, and, and you do do something beyond yourself, um, it, it, it for sure makes a difference and helps. But I, like I said, I also was able to have everything that I needed to be able to, to beat that. So that, I think that interaction that I had with, with um, her name was Prisca, and I actually learned her story. It's just so sad. I, was, I have a good relationship now with Barack, her oldest son, I just the other day said, do you have a picture of your mom? I mean, after all these years, I had never asked that. And he said no because they burned the house down. And he said every picture, everything that was in the house when she hung herself, the cultural, the tribal culture says it has to be burnt down. And that really just wrecked me a little bit more. But it's, um, you know, just so many different things. But, yeah, so the, so I know a lot of people – um, you know, do struggle with, with depression. And I think finding something bigger than yourself to give back, I'm not so sure that would have been all it took. It took quite a bit more of, you know, the medication and the counseling and, you know, quite a few things. Um, but thank God it's, you know, something that I have overcome and, and always want to – I try to share that when I can um, because hopefully can encourage somebody. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I had a friend who is from uh, Guyana, and she says, yeah, all um, you know, all the international people do is come to America and, and, and take y'all's money and outwork y'all. And I was offended initially, but hearing those stories, 
because some of the Americans think they're entitled. And so hearing, I, I, I get it now. Like it was, I was insulted initially, but I get it. Like you give me, I, I'm in America. I come from a third world country. I'm going to come over here and give it all I got. In a lot of cases, you see that. That's why they, they um, uh, international people come over here and excel so much because of the conditions that in their, in their home. But um, mm-hmm. I just wanted to mention that. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Initially, yeah, I was you insulted. Yeah, we get a lot of different comments, and there are a lot of issues in our own country that need to be addressed. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, when you have traveled a lot in the third world, it's difficult to always call it. It's not the same. But, I mean, even in America with aged-out foster kids, they are the most susceptible to trafficking. So it's the same statistic, 84% of aged-out foster girls I should say, of the girls rescued from trafficking in America, 84% were foster kids. So it's the same thing there, the aged out orphans or the teenagers of widows that are very susceptible to that. So, but it is true, they, you, it's, it's, you don't understand it. Like, like Michelle and I say, we thank God every morning just for our flushable toilet. Mm-hmm. Um, you would think after 15 trips, and I've been to many other countries on mission trips and traveled a lot. Um, I still have to purpose myself every morning and start the day with thankfulness for my pillow, for my bed. I have a husband laying next to me. I have a refrigerator full of food. I have a car to drive. Um, you know, I I have everything that I need and almost all my wants. And so, um, you know, because I still have to live here in America, too. You know, we are surrounded by excess, and it's dr- we're drowning in it. And it just... <laughs> You know, we all know that it, that's not what you – I think the happiness we were talking about before is that which you cannot buy. There, it, it, it's it's um, Happiness is rarely bought with, with the money. But, yes, there's a lot of people that feel that way, and I think, I, you know, I think when we know they haven't traveled overseas, we just kind of smile and, and say, you know, it's just hard to understand it until you've seen it and walked it. Right. Right. Now, I, I saw on the website where you can uh, donate. If someone's interested in donating or being a part. Well, you can go to TakeHeartAfrica.org and give there. There's a link that we have a secure site called PewGive um, that you can, can give through that. That would probably be the best. We actually are doing our first, um, I mean, our annual fundraiser. This is our third year for our 5K. That's actually locally here in Lakeland, and so you can actually search um, Leading Edge Take Heart 5K, um, and it's on Run Sign Up, and people can also, you know, kind of give there. So we're still proceeding on. Of course, we have a virtual option. We have a sleep-in option. We got every option there is during COVID, (laughs) but we are proceeding on two weeks from two weeks from today two weeks from right now we'll be sitting in our bed exhausted so but it'll be a good it'll be a good exhaustion yes last year we raised twenty five thousand dollars and this money is used for educating our students in kenya and so we're on track to do that again this year and what's nice is we have um several people that have signed up for this race, and they're doing it virtually in other states. So you really don't have to live here in Lakeland and participate. We'd love for everyone in Lakeland to sign up, but you can participate doing it virtually in another state, or you can do a sleep-in option. 
<laughs> which means you pay your money and you sleep in. You don't even have to show up to the race, and we will still mail you your T-shirt. And you can feel like you've been a part of raising funds for our students in Kenya. That's the easy yeah. route right there, take a sleep in. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, I know, Queen. We need to get you signed up. Have you signed up yet? No, I haven't signed up yet because I was going to question yeah. you if the um, city still going to allow you to put it on, you know, due to all these different COVID restrictions and everything. Well, yes, we are. We have had to sign. It, it's basically changed. So it's around Lake Collingsworth. So we're not going to have any congregating of of star of groups. It's basically you show you show up and you go. Um, so right. runners, and Lake Collinsworth is yeah. big enough for everybody to separate and social distance anyway. That's a huge yes. lake. <laughs> yes, it is. Like I said, we're giving everybody the virtual option, so we're going to have the literally um, people. We've we've um, the city, and there's been a couple of races that have already kind of happened, so we're learning from them. But, of course, we'll have, you know, spread out. We won't do awards. We're trying to do all the things, but, you know, we're not going to have the big opening thing and, and everybody congregating, everybody starting at the same time. So we are excited just we have been approved by the city and we have, um, you know, getting all all the things in place for that and, so hoping for just a fun, amazing day. Also, you get 20% off the whole purchase of the store. That, I mean, the whole purchase of the store. The whole purchase, all your purchase at the store that day down at mm-hmm. the market. And, and so we are, we feel really blessed during the season. We weren't even knowing we were going to do it because of COVID. And then I had read something on a, you know, fundraising page that we use, and they were just saying, you know, people still want to give. There have been a lot of people affected, but there have been a lot of people that haven't been affected by COVID. Mm-hmm. And we just feel really blessed that we have been given um, donations, and we're about, I think I checked before I came, we're at 281 people signed up, and last year we had like 367, so we're we're feeling, you know, we're very good about it, and um, most people sign up in the last few weeks, so we will get ready for the the big. But yes, we are taking all kinds of precautions that we possibly can, and masks, and social distancing, and different start times, and so. Have you um, tried reaching out to Downtown Lakeland, their organization, to have it um, sent out in a text message blast? Because they always send me messages all the time of what's coming up and get ready to take place downtown. Yes, I have been sending um, that information. So they send it in the newsletter, and they send it two times, and it will be in this newsletter this next week. So Mm -hmm. the link is there for people to click on and sign up. Okay. I wanted to ask, um, you guys said that in in Kenya um, they're done in eighth grade. How old are they when they're finished uh, grade school? Well, you know, that's what I'm saying. it's, It's just a totally different world. And so what, I mean, what I learned is that if they had finished class eight, that they could enter into a trade school program. 
But like Barack, just the other day, Barack didn't even know his birthday. So he made a birthday up July 7th. And he talked me into this year getting him a birthday cake. He never had a birthday cake in his whole life. And so, but Barack is already, he just finished his first year at school, but he's already 23 because he just missed so much school. And he thinks he knows the year he was born. And so, but so so that kind of makes sense. So the ages are drastic. Um, so you might have a 15-year-old in fourth grade class. And that's why a lot of times they just don't keep going. And, and um, so we find that a lot. And you find, you'll ask them how old they are, and they don't know how old they are. And they, not, none, not one of our 70 kids had ever had any kind of a birthday. They never, don't even know what that means. Um, so that's just one of the drastic differences of, amongst hundreds of them. So I, don't, I hope that answers your question a little bit about class, like the eighth grade. No, absolutely. Now, do any of your uh, young people have a desire to come to America to visit or to stay? You know, they all want to come. It's it's kind of, and this is my response to them. I said, well, you you finish your degree and you finish your education and you buy your ticket and I will meet you on the other side. (laughs) So I would love for them, but, you know, my calling is not to bring them here. Um, I really, my dream is to raise them up a different generation and to really better their own country. But, of course, if someone got some type of a scholarship or someone, one of our kids just named Teddy got a full um, internship to Germany to study, he studies horticulture and um, had, had, had like 400 students became number two, learned the whole German language, and it all got canceled because of COVID. It just about broke my heart. Um, but we got the boy a passport. That was one of the hardest things I've ever we, – we, Teddy and I could tell some great stories about that. Mm-hmm. But they do. Mm-hmm. They all want to they, – they all want to come to this place. Um, and America gives several um, – Oh, it's called a wild card. I can't think of um, um I'm, I'm totally gone blank, but I've actually already known someone mm-hmm. that got citizenship here, um, mm-hmm. like a lottery. It's a lottery that's given to, to Kenyan citizens, um, and they come over and then get the opportunity to get the, the American um, citizenship. And so it, I, I've already known two people, and they – you know, definitely have now still a passion to always go back and help because they know how incredibly blessed, you know, to have that opportunity is. And, you know, have you, just regard, with regard to your um, biological parents, have you ever met them or any type of relationship with them? So my biological mom, we never did meet. There were definitely... Um, some issues there, and um, she actually died before um, we had a chance to meet, even though I wanted to meet her, because my parents, um, my dad died like 30 years ago, my mom 20, so um, when I did find my birth family in 2012, I think, um, but I found we, I, I found my birth father, and I found out I had a sister. They were sisters from the same mister. And so Misty, my sister Misty and I are just um, 
so many things the same. She's two years younger than me, and so she's the one that actually invited me to Kenya. She and her husband actually are very passionate about the country of Honduras, and Mm -hmm. um, they literally have sold everything. He was an endodontist, and she was a nurse, and now they do uh, medical work. So our poor father, our poor pops is what they call him, um, um, is is just a a good old boy from Alabama, and He's never been out of the country, <laughs> and so anyway, he doesn't really like. Um, he's funny. We have a great relationship with him, but it is it's it's funny. But I did literally just got to spend five days with my sister recently, and um, so yeah. So I feel just incredibly blessed to have found her and having her in my life, and actually inviting me to Kenya. So, but I never did meet my meet my birth mother. Uh, yes, absolutely. So, I mean, I did everything that I could. She, yeah, the depression, let's just say there's a lot of familial. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I just don't mm-hmm. think she ever, she she just, you know, made me even feel even more blessed to be raised by this, you know, wonderful woman that raised me. So I really thought I could maybe help my birth mother, but, you know, I just couldn't. Mm-hmm. So she, yeah. she ended up dying of something, else, a ruptured aortic aneurysm. So it was kind of a sudden sudden death mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well good for you that you did all that you can and that you are at peace that, that's um that's yeah um and, and yes. so one thing i learned about life is we're not going to know the answers to everything unfortunately um queen <laughs> and uh, tam do you guys have other questions for our special guests i know i like the idea where she stated um Instead of teaching the youth in Kenya to come over here to stay home, you know, in their country and better their country, I've been hearing that a lot whenever I'm watching, like, um, different um, segments of different areas in Africa. Because I know, like, in Ghana, they were saying the same thing. You know, they're trying to constantly build up Ghana. They're trying to... um, um, keep the natives there in the country. Um, yes, they do have poor regions, but they also have nice regions. And it was saying if you even want to invest in real estate in Ghana, if you come over there, I think they say with either like twenty or thirty thousand, you can have a mansion in Ghana. Mm-hmm. And it was showing those mansions over there, and I'm looking like I think I need to go start racking up me like thirty thousand. <laughs> I can go buy me a mansion, you know. So they was just yeah. trying to talk about how rich and how good the country is and if the natives stay there, you know, they can build their own nation back up to where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. So I like how, mm-hmm. you know, I can't remember, I don't know if it was Michelle that was saying that or uh, Delta, but it is a good yeah. thing, you know, if they can stay home, then they can help benefit and enrich their own country right. by doing that. Yeah. It's changing, mm-hmm. yeah, because it, it was Delta, that, it was me that said that, but it's something um, that there's so much corruption in the country, mm-hmm. and it's basically having a change of mindset. Um, but, you know, it only takes one. That's what I and, – and it's going to be one of these kids. I just know it. It's going to just really um, take it and turn it around. But it's starting just in the hearts of a few that can, you know, then change. But it's difficult. These kids are the, – the, the corruption, the – lack of support for their own people, it's disappointing. 
but it's mm-hmm. um, the extremes of wealth that you see there. Um, there's no middle class, so it's it's just a um, you know there's a lot of work to do to be done. But I do tell them that that's not why I'm here. I'm not here to bring you. America's got a lot of problems of its own. So, but I do. That's my mm-hmm. answer to them. So, but talking about land, we actually just bought some land in Kenya um, in January, and was hoping to have something built over there by now, but um, COVID has kind of slowed us all down. So, but we were able to get three acres and got it all paid for. And so we have a dream to build a school. I went with my high school principal. He's 74 on this trip. And I've never had anybody embrace it as much as Michelle and I, other than Mr. Fryer. I can't call him Ralph. I'm 52 years old, but I cannot call my my, my high school principal Ralph. That's just not right. And so um, he had an amazing experience. And I'm really just, we're all on hold right now. Can't wait to do a primary school. I really feel a passion for the younger kids, you know, because that's where you can really make a difference in their education. But a lot of times by the time we get them, huh, you know, if they've missed so much school, it's a little bit harder. Um, and so, and then I've already started raising funds for a feeding program to partner with the school and a, a clinic in honor of my parents. They were both physician assistants, graduated from Duke University. And um a guest house, of course, Michelle and I are dreaming of having a space, you know, that we can call our own over there and a place for the kids to stay when they're home on vacation. A lot of times they have to go and stay with extended family if they're complete orphans and the living situations are just horrid. So, But it's also very important to have some connection with family if they have an uncle or if they have – and what we found is that if we help them financially – with some food and things like that, you know, because I'm not there all the time to be the family next to them, that if they have a connection with their family, whether it be an uncle, grandmother, you know, that just completes you as a person. And so really try to support that. But I also would love a place for them to come and stay so they don't have to be a burden on that family, just, you know, just have relationship with them. But that's our plans and, and 